to behind the restaurant. The new and improved version, we have changed the awning. The name is different. The color scheme is a little askew. We have changed the uniforms of the restaurant on the inside. It is a brand new place. It is not like it once was. We have taken what was complicated and driven it to a more simple and digestible manner. That old menu is gone and we are here in this new and epic manner. Well, at least I would hope that would be it. But overall, this is the new. The new is this. Behind the restaurant is back. We're a little different. We're going to delete the past completely. Just start over. We're going to do this fresh. We are going to attempt to do this weekly. And we're going to come out with some new content. Now, you would think with the name being behind the restaurant, you would talk about what's behind the restaurant. What happens in behind the restaurant. The things that customers fear and employees don't really want to talk about too much. And I can only explain any of it from the perspective of what I've gone through. And I hope that at some point I can bring on other people with me to have these conversations. Because honestly, it's better when you don't do this by yourself. Because as much as the story as I can give you, when somebody else is laughing at you, it's ten times better when you're than you just laughing at yourself. So what's behind the restaurant? Where are we looking when we say that? We're looking at everything. I did a version where I explained what it meant to be a front of the house and a back of the house. So I'm going to give you a little refresher. When we say front of the house, I mean anybody that the customer sees directly. That the customer asks questions to directly. That the customer interacts with directly. That is the front of the house. That is the front facing side of the restaurant. So technically, I'm the front facing side of this restaurant of a podcast. And because of that, what you see from them, the restaurant concept expects you to see in a certain way. So, yeah, most of the stuff you're seeing directly has been done on purpose. So if you're looking at a restaurant and their their uniform, their style, their, all of it has been done with a thought out purpose from the people on high. Now, is it always that that purpose is great? No. Is it always delivered in the right way? No, not really. Do they always choose the right color scheme? No, 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 no. No, sometimes it's a little bit too dark. Why does everybody have to go with black? So, yeah. Now, back of the house... That's the behind the scenes. The people that cook your food, that do the prepping of the food, that do the preparation of the delivery, that do all these setups and everything. The people who clean up the place. You'll see some front of the house people doing that for the main floor of the restaurants when you've gone in from time to time. But I'm talking about the people who are in the back getting everything done so that the front can show you everything that's been done. This is the back of the house. I have worked in some concept that have tried to skew the line between what is the definition of front of the house and back of the house. Mainly that was done for dinero and money. They figured 
if I pay for somebody to do both things, then I don't have to pay for somebody to just do one. That's always about money, but we'll get to that on another, maybe at a later time in this podcast. But for right now, the idea is the front and back. That's the delivery. Like, if you are in a restaurant, there are certain people that you see, and there are certain people that you don't. You know? It's just, that's the way it is. There are certain people that you talk to and certain people that you won't. Yes, there are some concepts that will deliver the food in front of you, and you'll have cooks preparing it, but you're never having full-on conversations with those people. What you are doing is having full-on conversations with the people you're ordering the food from, or the people that manage the restaurants themselves. Because a manager is also a front-of-the-house person. They do have back-of-the-house responsibilities, but they're a front-facing person. They're going to be there to interact and, in some ways, deliver on what the concept is. But there's a lot of expectations when it comes to that, and we'll, we'll go through that. We'll hash that out. And we'll do that in the form of stories of what I've gone gone through and what others have and people I know. So what... There's a lot that's happening right now when it comes to the concepts of food and beverage. And there's a lot that's going to be happening over the next couple months. That's kind of why I wanted to restart it. Because it's good to come back at it from a fresher perspective as we're going into while at the same time remembering the past of things. So, we're going to go through that. And I figure since this is going to be weekly again, why not go through it together as it develops and goes forward and we'll see some of the things that are changing and happening, especially in places like New York City or Los Angeles, where there were a lot more strictness to the laws that were in place when it came to COVID and now how they transition out of that when they've put so many things into what it feels like a back burner way. Like, what do we do to go forward and get back to even close of what it was beforehand? So, that's going to be interesting. Let me explain where I come from. I've been in food and beverage since I was 19. I turned 36 this coming up week. So, that is almost 17 years in food and beverage. In one way or another. I've been a cashier. I've been a prep cook. I've been um, on the line. I've been a shift manager. I've been a store manager. I have run the gamut when it comes to doing things in a restaurant. I've done training for back of the house and training for front of the house. I've been the face that the customers have had to talk to. And I've been the low man on the totem pole and the high man responsible for everything. I've had the wide range of spectrum when it comes to food and beverage. Does that make it that I understand it perfectly? No. But it makes it that I understand the majority of it in a better way than other people who will tell you that they know it. Because if somebody's only coming at this from the managerial perspective, then no offense, they don't know as much as they think they do. They know what it means to run people to a certain extent, but they don't completely understand understand what it is that happens in the mindset of the people who are being run, 
who are, you know, just going crazy in the day-to-day. They've lost that. When the only thing you've done is management, when the only thing you've done is management, it kind of leaves you out on a lurch to truly understanding what your employees are doing. So I get it when concepts over the years have hired people from outside and brought them in because they thought that would be a nice refresher. But I've also gotten it when people have brought them up through the system and progressed management from a lower level to be at the current level. And both sides have their benefits and both sides have their, you know, cons. There's pros and cons to each side of that coin. But when I speak about the restaurant concept, when the only manager that's in place is someone who's only done that, I think they're flawed in the way that they will completely understand the employees that they have had with them. They're also flawed in the respect that they'll get for the employees that are working for them. Because there's a limit to the amount of respect that you'll receive given the fact that you can't show that you can do the same thing that your employees can do. You have to be able to do that in these concepts. When you work in a restaurant, yeah, a manager to some extent should be able to deliver in the same manner and in the same way that the person they're asking to do the work is delivering. And if they can't, then honestly, are they truly able to manage this kind of system? You know, it, it's it's flawed in that idea that if you can't do, what are you actually showing? And I get that there's this belief that some people who can't do teach, but they still try to do. They see where their flaws are in doing, and that's why they can teach. Because they've honestly gone out there and attempted it. And in their attempt, they found that they weren't capable. But they still managed to get to the point where they can teach others. And that's where sometimes when people say that kind of statement, I'm always looking at, are you sure you know what it means? Because I think you're stuck on the concept that just because you, you, you've you never done it, and you can teach it better than you could have ever done it. No, you've tried it once or twice. And now you realize, I can tell you what to do, but I can't truly 100% show you every step of the way because I wasn't that good at it. But I get it. I understand it. And I can make it better for you because of how my understanding of it works. Now, I say all of this to give you qualifications on where I'm coming from and some of the things that I want to speak about. Now, I... I'm never going to say I'm 100% perfect in where I've come from, in what I've done, and even in my time served in being in different locations. I've worked a plethora of concepts. I've worked a multitude of ideas, and I've attempted to be a part of so many different ways of driving the food industry forward. But has it always been done to the best of my ability? No, because you don't appreciate everywhere you work in the same way. Has it always been attempted to be done to the best of my ability? Yes. Yes, I can honestly say by looking back that I have always attempted to do every single place I've worked and to deliver to the best of my ability. Now, in some of those have I reached a point where I'm just looking at it going like, this isn't worth it. Even if I deliver at 1000% of what I'm capable of delivering, I'm still going to be flawed in what the overall of it is. 
It's just, it, it doesn't work 100%. So here's where we're at when we talk about behind the restaurant. There's front of the house and there's back of the house. And both have their own styles of doing things while working in the same style of restaurant. And the ability to balance those two sides equally and deliver on them appropriately is something that we always have to manage in our own heads, especially when you are an actual manager. It's a crazy concept to believe that you can always balance the back and the front. They're two different mindsets, 100% two different mindsets. And that's where the interesting part of being a manager comes in. That's for later. Like, we're not going to start with management talk. Because then I'm going to bore everybody out of the room. And then nobody's going to want to listen. We're going to get to 13 minutes in. And everybody's going to be like, holy crap. What was he talking about? I'm so bored. So, let's start with some of the fun. Like I said, it's been 17 years of working in food and beverage. I've worked every step along the way. Where did I start? (laughs) I started as a cashier in a salad concept restaurant in New York City. What was the name of the salad concept restaurant? Well, ladies and gentlemen, let's just say the meaning of it in the urban vernacular was not something I learned until a couple years into working there. I worked at a place called Tossed Salad. Yes, take that in for a minute, let that soak, enjoy that for the moment. If any of you know what the other connotation of those two words together means, then I'm happy for you. I didn't when I started and I was 19. I didn't have a clue that that was a big joke. My cousin got had a friend and the friend worked at Toss Salad and... We're just going to call it toss from this point forward, because if I keep saying the two words together, I'm going to start laughing every five seconds. My cousin had a friend. The friend worked there. They need where they were looking for somebody. I needed a job. My cousin recommended me. I got the job. And I worked there for five years. That was my first job. I made money there. I had, you know, I didn't do too bad. And my rate of pay was eight dollars an hour this was back when in new york city eight dollars an hour was near the minimum wage i think at that time minimum wage was 750 750 my god i look back at that and i go like wow i'm glad i was living at home and not having to pay too many bills so toss was an interesting idea it was If you have been around and you know just salads and you know chopped, it was those two concepts before they were popular. Tossed was around for so much longer than chopped or just salad were. They just didn't brand themselves appropriately to become what chopped and just salad became. It's, It's what happens. Sometimes your concept works and you have a great idea, but you have the wrong people trying to push that concept forward and because of that that concept never balloons into anything other than what it is which at that time was a three location restaurant that was able to have a good amount of success and you know we had a good flow of 
of customers. Now, it never turned into what Chopped and Just Salad turned into, which were honestly to the moon, Alice. Like, especially Chopped. I think Chopped is probably one of the bigger salad concepts in New York City area that there is because it just it's everywhere. They they change their menus constantly. They're very progressive in what they do. They're very good. They're just an overall well delivered system and a very well thought out system. Now on the other hand, when it came to Toss, Toss was damn good food. When I started, Toss was freshly grilled chicken. It was freshly cooked steak. It was the wonton crisps were prepared in a fryer in the back. The tortilla strips were prepared in a fryer in the back. Like, everything was done to the nines. It was perfectly executed food. It was, I think at the time, it was 20-some-odd sauces, all made in-house. All the sauces had a menu, I mean, had a recipe. All the sauces had their own style. Every sauce was unbelievable and they were all fresh no sauce lasted for more than a couple days first of all a sauce couldn't last that long period because of the simple concept that each sauce was so popular for the people that ordered them and you had so many people who loved the sauces and loved different things it was great the delivery of everything was always fresh the bacon was prepared in house the chicken was prepared in house the tuna was some of the freshest tuna that you could find the the style of the salads was were extremely fresh. You paid for the concept, you paid for everything. And they were doing when I started there, they this was the birth of what we all know now. This was seamless and Grubhub. It wasn't Grubhub yet. Mind you, Grubhub and Seamless joined forces at one point and became the two arms of what they are. Seamless being the more corporate side and Grubhub being the more public side. So at the time, it was only Seamless. Seamless was the only head that you had for deliveries. That's where we got all of our deliveries. And being that the concept was located in an area that was fully corporate all around, like our lunches were insane. You had delivery guys. We had a crew of eight delivery guys who were taking a minimum of 12 orders per lunch shift. And this is a two and a half hour stretch. You had eight delivery guys taking 12 orders. Come on. That's 96 delivery orders at this time. This is before the idea of Uber Eats, before the idea of Grubhub in the way that it is, the extension of delivery zones that, that are so astronomical then. Now, then you did 10 blocks up, 10 blocks down, and a couple avenues over on each side. That's your zone. That was your whole area. So imagining that this is the only area that you deliver to, this is the only amount of space, it's a 10 by 10 square blocks. It, it's insane. In New York, some of these boxes are some of these blocks are long, but that's still not a big range. Because if you think about what Uber Eats does now, Uber Eats goes to 30, 40 minutes of car time away. We're talking about dudes on bikes delivering 10 blocks at max from the center zone of where the restaurant was located. That's the max that you did. You did not go any higher. 
and you did not go that much lower either. And the main reason for that is you couldn't afford it. Because if you went too far, your delivery guys wouldn't want to be there. They wouldn't. Okay, so I started a toss. Tossed was what it was. But this is my first introduction into food and beverage, into this whole style of doing anything. And I'm like, this is different. And I'm a smart enough guy where it comes to most things, I can pick them, pick them up quick enough. But I have always learned and I've always known this. You can't be too pushy with how you expect me to pick things up. It just has to eventually click. And the problem is you have to be patient enough to want that to click. That's something that I took with me as I became a manager. Because you have to understand how to train different people. You can't train everybody in the same way. You can lay out this plan that you have to get people trained. But you cannot expect for everyone to learn it in the same manner. And that's just, and it wasn't the way my brain worked. So a lot of the things didn't work in the way that they wanted to. So I'm there. I'm three months in. I'm doing all right. I'm not horrible. I don't miss any days. I show up. I still make mistakes. By the three-month point of any restaurant, if you're not doing well, you are out. Like, if you are bad, you're out. You're gone. It's over. You're done. My manager's on me every day going, like, you need to improve, you need to improve, you need to improve, you need to do better. This is this is going crazy. I can't believe this. What are we doing? Like, you have to do better. Because if you don't, I don't need you anymore. And I was like, well, I guess you're not going to need me anymore. This guy, before, he's about to go on vacation for a month. It's sometime around December because I got hired in October. October, November, December. I got hired in September. So I got hired in September. So it's September, October, November. He's about to go on vacation for a month. And the day before he goes on vacation, he sits me down and pulls me aside and goes like, Jerry, I think you're a good guy. I think, you know, you can do very well in this. I think you can be someone that I can really have to be good in this position. But if you're not doing better by the time I come back, I'm going to fire you. Now, at that time, I'm 19, man. I'm thinking this guy's an asshole. I'm going like, dude, for real? What the fuck? I, I'm, I'm, uh, I don't react to him because that's never been my style. I'm not gonna give you the reaction that you want if that's what you're pushing for. So I just listen. I go like, okay, all right. But in my, in the back of my head, I'm like, oh, why are you being such an ass? I learned later on as I progressed through the industry that this wasn't someone being an ass. This was someone who understood that I needed to be pushed in a certain way. And if I didn't push myself as much as he pushed me, then I wasn't going to progress in the manner that I needed to. And that's also something you got to understand when you have employees, especially in food and beverage. Like, you got to push them sometimes, but sometimes you got to lay off. So this was his push and his layoff at the same exact time. Here's my push. You'll be fired in a month when I get back. Here's my layoff. But I think you could do it very well. Like, that was a good balance. I didn't know that at the time. I didn't know that for the next five years, dude. It it took me a while. So he does that. A month goes by. Like, as I said, you can't be on top of me every five seconds telling me, learn this, learn this, learn this, learn this. you got to give me some time to adjust to it. In that month, guess what happened? Because I told you already, I was with the company. 
for five years, it clicked. Because the first couple of months was just a continuous push. Get it, get it. But the la- the month that he was gone, there was nobody to push me but me. So there's nobody over my shoulder with five seconds going like, you need to get this. It was just, okay, I got this, I got this, I got this, I got this. Boom. I learned the POS system. I learned, you know, the delivery system. I learned every part of it. And I could do it as well, if not better, than almost everybody else that was there. And these were people who had been there for years. So he comes back. He's back for a week. He's just seeing how everything's progressing. After, he's back, right? After two days of being back, he pulls me to the side and goes like, you are 10 times better than where you were when I left. This is what I wanted. Good job. And also, something he did that I learned and I took upon being a manager myself later on was that he always said thank you to us. To every employee. To everybody that worked. To everybody that, you know, he he thought about. He always said thank you. He always took us aside, went like, okay, look, thanks. For each day that we were there. That's something that I look back on and go like, I appreciate him 10 times more as a manager than almost any manager I've had since because of the simple way that he respected what we did and understood that at any point we could leave if we didn't want to be there. And that's an appreciation you have to be able to give to your employees because if you don't, then, you know, you're screwed. You are. Now, my first year, I did get tired of it. I was 19. I turned 20. I got tired of the whole idea of, you know, working in food and beverage. So I decided to go back to school. So here I am, a year and a half in. And now we start doing, what is it called? Um, We start doing caterings. But they're not caterings in the same way that we understand them now, where people bring food to your office and you sit there and you get a whole thing. No, we were doing in-person caterings, meaning we were setting setting up a booth at a location and selling our food. And they would call it catering. We started doing those. Dude, those were paid cash. Oh, I swear to God, those were some of the best times. Oh, man. Those were great. That whole idea, you know, Tossed was five years. Tossed was an introduction for a young kid and a progression for a young kid. In Tossed, I was cashier first. I did some deliveries when we were shorthanded. And then I progressed to being a form of management, supervisor and assistant manager and in those ways. And I did that for... Oh my goodness, what did what was it? I did that. I was a cashier for the first year. By the second year, I was the weekend closing manager. Meaning you'd come in at around two, three o'clock, and you'd work the night shift. That's basically what it was. By my fifth year, that had changed where we didn't open till twelve on Saturdays and Sundays. So whoever worked those days would come in twelve and would stay to close. That's where you would make the bulk of your hours. It's honestly what it was. But Tost taught me so much. 
Dealing and understanding my manager taught me so much. But that side of it was what taught me. It also taught me how to be a manager in a better way. And when we talk about behind the restaurant in this, and I will speak about Thomas more, and I'll go into some of the other places that I went. Each step, each avenue, each restaurant concept taught me something. I never came out of any of them not taking on another quality. I always found something within each one that helped me for the next one and for the one after that and for the one after that. And and even for what I do now, a lot of what I knew then is helping me 10 times more for what I know now. And it's helped me with my own understanding of how I understand things and how I progressively learn things and how I adjust to things in my own head. And because of that, it's made me a better employee and it made me a better manager when I was a manager and it just did for me so much more. That's the part of the restaurant industry when there's so many arguments. Oh, how could you make this a career? You don't make money. Why should we pay you? Like, But that's the thing. For a lot of people, this can be a career. They can see themselves 20 years in this business, 30 years in this business. Why is that so different from the idea of what you're doing in an office? My office just happens to be the one that serves you the food that you want. There's nothing wrong with that. There's a stigma when it comes to thinking about people who work in food and beverage. But if you truly think about it, a lot of people have worked food and beverage. A lot of people have come up through restaurants. A lot of people have made themselves successful because of restaurants. And the stigma that is applied to a restaurant worker needs to change and needs to stop. Because... They're not all idiots. They're not all, you know, unsuccessful. No, their success is measured differently from yours. I don't need to be you to be successful. I just need to be the best me that I can. So, this has been a restart into Behind the Restaurants. And I think this is the direction that we will go forward with this needs to be more about what happened what's going on while at the same time looking forward of what's still to come and when we know more about what's coming on the other side of this pandemic especially in new york city where there's high concept restaurants coming out all the time then we'll talk more about that but for right now this has been episode one in the restart of Behind the Restaurant. I appreciate everyone that listened. I will never say that restaurant's full name again on any recorded device. And I will see you guys on the next one. Peace. Peace.